Welcome to Why We Marathon, a podcast diving into the deep motivating factors for why people choose to run marathon races. I'm excited for today's guests as we've known each other for a few years now, and I'm hoping to run together in Los Angeles soon. Please welcome Phil Irvine. Thanks for joining us today, Phil. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for inviting me and having me here. This is a great topic that I'm passionate about. So uh, yeah, glad to share hopefully some enlightening experiences here. Awesome. And uh, Phil and I go back to the actually movable ink days when Phil was one of our uh, clients. And uh, where are you based now, Phil? Yeah, so based out of Los Angeles, uh, specifically um, Sherman Oaks. I've kind of... Uh, the Shokes. <laughs> I've uh, lived all over, uh, born in Jersey, grew up in Chicago, went to college in Indiana, um, worked in the Bay Area, but I've, I've been kind of a SoCal guy for the past 13 14 years so uh yeah yeah currently out here in the valley nice yeah once you get used to the weather out here it's uh tough to go anywhere else <laughs> oh yeah definitely definitely i you know i spent uh 22 years of my life in the midwest in cold weather and uh although i, I love you know i love my my roots there i uh it's hard to break me away from the west coast uh, lifestyle and weather out here definitely i went to school in wisconsin from new york originally and now living in santa monica and once you get used to it it's it's tough to leave um, Phil, tell me a little bit about your day job. I'm always curious. Marathoners seem to come from all walks of life. What do you do during the day and how old are you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I love how you start off with the age question to make me, uh, uh date myself or whatnot, but no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> we have yeah, people just, of all ages on the show. <laughs> um, you know, I'm uh, so just hit a big milestone, just turned 40, uh, last, last, uh, August. And, uh, yeah, so my day job, I, um, you know, my official title is uh, Vice President of Audience Intelligence at a media agency company. Um, you know, in, in layman's terms, uh, our agency runs digital and television media for a variety of, of large clients. And my group is on point for developing all of the audience strategies for all of the advertising that our clients run to generate sales. And uh, you know, if you, you know, the kind of an interesting example when you, you know, a lot of people are streaming television content or movies. And when you happen to see those, hopefully not so annoying ads that kind of interrupt your experiences, my, my team's responsible for figuring out who are the households and who are the devices to target with those types of ads for our, our clients. So it's, a, it's an awesome space because it's, you know, the whole digital landscape is changing. Um, there's complexities with privacy, but at the same time, there's so much data where you can make ads more personalized and meaningful. So it's a, uh, it's a cool space to be in right now. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. And obviously ad tech is just always getting more interesting these days and more competitive. Uh, tell me a little bit about your first marathon race. When was that and where? Yeah. Um, not the greatest experience, but you know, I'll, uh, I'll kind of close later on with, uh, how I use that as motivation, but um, so it was the rock and roll marathon, you know, I was doing some research today. It was either 2015 or 16 and I, uh, I'll admit, um, I didn't put in the necessary time to train. I didn't really pay attention to nutrition. Um, I think I wore, you know, at the time I, I didn't even have like, like kind of official legit running shoes. So I had blisters all over my feet, but, um, so it was in San Diego, beautiful course, beautiful setup. Um, I think it ended in the Gaslamp district, the downtown area of uh, San Diego. But, you know, because of the reasons I just mentioned, I think uh, I, you know, I was on a good pace, felt good to about mile 18 and then uh, started to cramp up 
um, you know, had to kind of walk and run and, and, and kind of bury there. And, and I literally had to limp to the finish line. And I believe, I, if I remember correctly, I had cramps back in my hotel room for the next like three or four hours and could barely even stand up <laughs> afterwards and whatnot. So um, not the most enjoyable experience, but I'm still glad that I, I did that to just mentally understand what has to go into the process of completing a marathon and feeling good about a marathon also. So <laughs> definitely can't ignore the training. That's for sure. Tell me a little bit about the rock and roll marathon and what makes that one different than maybe your average marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've done, um, I've only done one of their marathons, but I've done a ton of their half marathons. They have, uh, they have one in LA around Halloween every year. They have, they have, a half distance version in San Diego during the same time as the marathon. And the, uh, yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing they're known for is at every mile marker, they have uh, different music and different bands playing at each, at each mile marker. So it's, it's mad cool because, you know, um, sometimes, you know, sometimes when, if, you know, for a lot of runners out there, once you get into the layer miles, you know, you, you see a lot of motivational signs and stuff like that. And, and, and when you're tired and gassed, you just may not even want to see stuff like that. But it's kind of refreshing and cool to hear different types of music at each of the mile marker. And so it kind of it's kind of cool because it gives you an added boost where you may need some extra motivation where you when you start to, uh, you know, really get winded and, and tired and whatnot. So I remember bands and then I, I remember there was some like high school bands and performances kind of happening, too. And those were. Uh, those were, those were, those were also just, just, just very interesting to see like while you're racing also. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It keeps things interesting and exciting. I feel like the energy must've been, you know, roaring there. And I always think music is, you know, key to marathon running. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit on your playlist. Um, what prompted you to run that very first marathon in San Diego? Like what was going through your mind when you were registering for it? And you know, what really prompted you to, to start marathon running? Yeah. Um, so kind of, kind of two major um things for myself so actually five year or four years prior to that i got into triathlons and part of the you know part of the impetus for that was that um in my younger days i played kind of more um uh, hardcore sports on your joints and knees like basketball football and i was playing pickup basketball until I was about 31 or so but then i started to have some problems with my left shoulder um with some of my range of motion and i and i wanted to kind of pivot towards uh other sports that were still competitive but less impactful on some of my joints and whatnot so i actually originally got into triathlons and got into a routine of doing um sprints and olympic distance triathlons and um at the you know at the same time that i was trying to progress to a half ironman so so for those that don't know, like, you know, Ironman distance is kind of the most well-known, which in my opinion is, is crazy. Maybe I'll do one at some point, but I, I still think it's, it's maddening to run a marathon after biking a hundred miles, but, um, <laughs> that, that sounds intense. I think a marathon is, is intense to begin with, but biking a hundred miles and then also a swim and, and running. I, I, I think you nailed that. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I, but I, but I did gear up to do a half. Ironman, which is a one mile, about a one mile swim, 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon run. Um, and 
as part of my training for that, I thought it would be good to, to try to do a marathon to get my conditioning up. And I always, you know, it was always just kind of a, a lofty goal that I had. I, I ran a bunch of half marathons, had some pretty good times, was happy with them. And over time though, I, I just wanted that extra layer of, of a challenge. And the other thing that also motivated me too is, um, it's interesting, my, with, with my personal family, um, I have a lot of relatives that actually lived long lives. Um, part of my family is from Lynchburg, Virginia. And I recently went back there um, to visit some family. And I, I have family members that lived into their 90s and even early 100s. But uh, my dad actually, my dad actually passed away at the at, at, in his early 60s. Um, Sorry, around dude. 2000. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Um, around 2014. And part of the reason was his, his diet and lack of exercise and things of that nature. And I, you know, I always had health and fitness kind of at the forefront of just priorities for myself in life. But, you know, around that timing, um, that was also part of my motivation. I, you know, I knew that the diet portion was, was a critical piece, you know, given kind of what I witnessed with him, but I, you know, that also triggered me to kind of step up my, my fitness levels and try to achieve, you know, some other goals and aspirations um, that I just, you know, didn't, didn't consider as priorities in the past, but, you know, wanted to consider in the future. So, yeah. That's amazing. And always, you know, I mean, when you have a personal reason like that, it's just extra motivation. And um, I, yeah, part of my story too, is just staying in shape. So I think that's a great reason to marathon run. You're always training, you're always running. It's, it's great. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you learned after running marathons, like something you didn't know about yourself after you finished. Yeah, you know, um, the straightforward, probably, you know, cliche answers I'm sure a lot of people give are that, you know, they didn't know they had the discipline, they didn't know they can push through barriers when they were tired. And all of that for me was very true. Um, I think one, one unique thing about myself is that, um, and this kind of ties back to my job right now, is uh, my preference for consuming uh, media. I never, I never thought of podcast as kind of, ironically, we're on a podcast right now, but ironic. Um, <laughs> Very meta I, right there. <laughs> it's a good plug for you two there. Um, yeah, thanks. I'll take it. <laughs> um, I never really, you know, I never really thought of podcasts as a means to get information, stay up to date with trends in either business trends or music or entertainment. And what was funny is that as I, as I got into marathons and did my first one and went through the training process, you know, um, you're, you're routinely doing runs that are 90 minutes plus, you know, weekly. And so you need stuff to keep you busy. Right. <laughs> and I had, you know, in my younger years, I had always listened to music and I still listen to music to some extent, but I, I, you know, four or five years ago, I kind of pivoted to just listening to podcasts. And I, I put a lot of time and thought now to, to look at, you know, which types of podcasts are going to be enlightening to keep my attention where I can, I can utilize that, that time when I'm running and training to also, you know, educate myself, um, one of the other big benefits I've gotten from podcasts is just understanding different ways to think, to form arguments, to, um, to state your case if you're trying to sell something, which is, you know, crucial in the marketing and advertising world. And so um, 
that was, you know, probably not a traditional uh, answer you'd expect from that question, but that, that was just something I learned about myself that has really helped me out a lot in not only my work career, but just how I uh, communicate with people and, and, and change with the times now with how media is the construct is changing too. So. Definitely. I completely relate to that. I'm a huge podcast listener on all my runs and I've realized lately I've been running a little less and not listening to as many podcasts. So it's definitely correlating there. What kind of podcasts uh, do you listen to on your runs? Any uh, few favorites you got? Yeah, I got a, a wide spectrum, but um, so I'm a big fan of the Ringer Network. So for those that may not know, um, Bill Simmons was a, a guy that started a, a, a kind of a sub brand called Grantland. Um, he's really big or known in the basketball world, wrote a book called The Book of Basketball, which is kind of like an encyclopedia of the ranking of the best players um, over the past uh, 50, 60 years or so. But um, within the Ringers Network, they have they have great sports content, but also movie, entertainment type content. And one of my favorites is the Rewatchables, which is great for people in my age bracket because they dive into movies from mostly like the 90s, early 2000s, a little bit in the 80s, and kind of reminisce about like some of the great movies across all all genres, you know, comedies, drama, and whatnot. Um, the Ringer is one. Uh, Dan Lebertard, his, his Dan Lebertard and Friends has a great, you know, mostly sports, but they also incorporate entertainment and comedy um, into their mix as well. So I like things with a lot of variety like that, um, just to kind of cover off on a variety of different topics and stay up with the trends in not just sports, but media and news and entertainment as well. So. I love that. Keeps it interesting while you're running, especially, you know, like you said, if you're running an hour or two hours or three hours, you need some content and, you know, music gets a little stale sometimes. If you need a good music one, I recommend Broken Record. Um, it's with Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell, and they just dive deep into different artists and, and their, their whole backstory. Um, so that's a great one. Uh, oh, I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Gladwell. I've, I've read all like almost all his books. And so, yeah, yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah. I'll send that link uh, your way. Tell me, uh, since, since that San Diego marathon, how many have you run since then? Yeah. So I've done, uh, two since then. So, um, the, the OC marathon, which I believe is around May of most years, I think it's around, it's in November of this year's got pushed back because of the pandemic. And then uh, last year, where me and you actually crossed paths, the LA Marathon in, in 2020, um, which, you know, was interesting for a lot of different reasons. But, but uh, those, were the, those were the two that I, that I completed after the, the first one, which was a disaster. So. <laughs> what was your LA Marathon experience like? Let's uh, tell the listeners about that, because uh, that was quite an interesting one for everyone. Yeah, I, you know, I can, uh, we can do a whole separate podcast about that. But um, you know, some of the highlights for me, uh, number one, <laughs> I don't know if this happened to you, but uh, I was with a buddy of mine, Cesar Ramirez. We, we do a lot of races together. And, you know, the biggest thing when, you, when, you're, when you're racing is you want to remove all stress from all other factors and just kind of focus your mind on getting to the start line, being comfortable, you know, being in a, you know, having your heart rate down so that you're relaxed when you start a long race like that. Um, we, we didn't time it right to get to the start of the race. And we, uh, I think we were taking an Uber or Lyft and there was, so, so for those that don't know it, it starts at Dodger stadium in downtown LA. And our thought was, you know, the, the race started at like 5 45 or 6 AM. 
there shouldn't be that much traffic. There was a shitload of traffic <laughs> to get to the stadium. And we literally got there. We couldn't drop any of our gear in gear check. So I had to run. I had to run with a backpack and my, uh, I had like two or three layers and I was planning to like strip the layers off. So I had, to, I had to, I'm probably embellishing. I had two layers of clothing. So I, wow. I, you know, had to kind of deal with that. But the good thing was, is once, you know, once I started running, you know, you kind of forget about that and actually ended up having a great race. But, you know, the big, the big elephant in the room that I'm sure, you know, you have a perspective on too, is that if I remember correctly, that was the week right before California, California went on stay at home orders for COVID. So, yep. you know, I, th I believe the stat was 28,000 people that were involved <laughs> in the race. And, you know, case numbers were low with COVID at the time, but it's a little scary to think about that, <laughs> that you had 28,000 people, you know, all intermingled and racing at the same time. You know, granted, we were outdoors, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the week before COVID. And um, I remember, you know, they had hand sanitizer everywhere. You know, COVID was still sort of new at that point. People weren't sure what this mysterious disease was. And, um, you know, I figured if the city had it, it was going to be okay. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we definitely lacked some fans during that event because a lot of people were staying at home because they were concerned. So it was definitely a different vibe. But what was your favorite part of the LA Marathon? Oh, man. I think... Um... For me, it was uh, running through Sunset Boulevard um, once you got into West Hollywood. Um, I'm just, I'm, all, I, you know, even ever since I was a kid, I was just fascinated with Hollywood and movies and entertainment. And I just love the Sunset Strip in general, but um, passing like the Standard Hotel and some of the other venues and other hotels at the time. And then the big thing is you see all the billboards promoting all of the newest shows and movies like that. That piece was kind of cool. And then honestly, the, the, the ending, which is probably the answer that most people are going to say for any, any marathon. But for this one, it was, it was, it was dope because it was mostly downhill. If I remember for the last two miles and then we were, I believe we were running along ocean drive. So you're seeing the ocean, you know, to your, to your right as you're running for the last, half mile, three quarters of a mile. So um, uh, the Beta Breakers race in San Francisco has a similar type of finish where you finish like kind of on, on a coastline. But that was something that I remember. That was, that was, that was really cool about that race. Yeah. Yep. You nailed it. The ending was definitely my favorite part in that downhill down San Vicente and then turning on ocean. I mean, seeing the Pacific Ocean to end a marathon is, is pretty nice. So uh, unfortunately, though, they are changing that for next year. Uh, they're supposed to end in mid-city or somewhere around Avenue of the Stars. So uh, that's unfortunate, but hey, at least we got it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I had multiple friends scheduled to run marathons uh, last year in April, May, June. And, you know, they were midstream with training and had to completely, you know, abandon everything because of COVID. So, yeah, we're, we're fortunate we got it in. Sure. Definitely. Um, tell me a little bit, Phil, about some of your playlist recommendations and what you're listening to during a marathon. Are you going podcasts? Are you going music? What's sort of your playlist strategy? Yeah, you know, I uh, touched on the whole podcast thing. Um, I, yeah, I typically try to start with podcasts, uh, something that's top of mind about a, a topic I'm interested in. Um, you know, towards the, the, the middle of the race. Um, I'm a big fan, hip hop, R and B, um, EDM type music. Um, I, you know, 
I try to think about it strategically where I have a little bit more faster paced music kind of in the, the earlier stages, like mile, you know, one through 14, 15. But then um, there's a group that I listen to a lot now called Evil Needle. And it's kind of like a chill jazz type type of sound. And I try to, I try to strategically listen to more mellow music towards the last like five, six miles of a race, because, you know, a lot of people will tell you they, you know, it's all about keeping your, um, your heart rate, heart rate down. And, um, you know, the music can, can, can influence that I've seen in some cases. So I try to, I try to listen to more down tempo or, or jazz or neo soul type music towards the tail end, just to try to, uh, you know, keep a better focus on keeping my heart rate down and not, and, uh, being able to finish in a smooth pace. So. I love that. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that, but I might need to incorporate that into my next, <laughs> my next playlist there. Uh, tell me a little bit about the gear that you wear. What's sort of your go-to marathon outfit that day? How do you, you know, plan for that? And what kind of sneakers are you wearing? Yeah, um, sneakers. Um, a, I'm currently wearing a Saucony. I think it's the ISO brand, I want to say. I, um, I, I have to, I'm actually in the market for a new pair right now. So I'm definitely up for recommendations that you may have. I, uh, I've, I've been a big fan of, of Brooks Gel Keanu also has been a big, you know, big, big uh, brand I've used in the past. Um, yeah, you know, as far as gear, I, uh, I'm not, I, I really don't put too much attention into it, but I, I will call out, um, I've been a big fan of the Garmin um, sports watches. So I, I think I've had the Vivo Active uh, model for the last seven, eight years or so. And it's, uh, it's great for tracking all types of sports, swimming, biking, and running when I was in my triathlon days. And uh, I like, you know, I like how some of the latest models, you can, you can download music and podcasts directly to your watch so that you don't have to carry your phone like that. To me, that's been one of the game-changing uh, innovations with some of the tech lately here too. So. That's awesome. I did not know that. I'll, I'll have to check that out because any less weight, I'll take it. And, you know, carrying that phone belt with you or having it on your arm is always a, just, you know, <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to do the armband like seven, eight years. It's funny, I used to do the armband, had the phone in my, my pocket, but yeah, now you can kind of save it all in your in your watch and it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, now I just use the belt. Uh, what's your favorite running route just in general? You know, if you're training for a run or, you know, just doing some casual workouts, what's your favorite route? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, you know, we live in Southern California. It's going to sound cliche, but the, the beaches, the beaches here, it's, it's just great. I think there's, there's an, an advantage to the something with the air where it's easier to breathe. Um, I, uh, so I used to, I used to work in Marina del Rey and I used to have a route, um, starting at the Marina marketplace. And so there's an Equinox gym there that I used to go to, to, to shower, but I would start there, uh, run to Venice and then all the way through to the Pacific Palisades. And then I used to do that loop. Um, and then I love the South Bay too. I have a, I have a loop or a, a route that I, I start in El Segundo and then uh, run to the strand there in Manhattan beach. And then depending upon my distance, I may end up in, um, uh, Tor I think Torrance is kind of the tail end. It's either Redondo beach or Torrance is kind of the tail end of where the, uh, the beach ends and then I'll, I'll make a loop back. But, uh, the South Bay is just it's because you're passing through Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, Redondo, and then getting into Torrance. It's just 
the different flavors of the neighborhoods and then you get to see the uh all the volleyball players and everything too it's uh it's real cool yeah that's i feel like classic california right there and i do the same thing so i love those routes over there uh what's your do you have any pre-race rituals anything to get you you know hyped up or motivated for the race beforehand or any superstitions um i i i never you know as far as eating i never i i never eat before a race i always run on an empty stomach and then i think you know one of my big learnings with triathlons and marathons is that i used to just be all about like carb loading the night before and having a lot of carbs before the long runs but now now i just have i just eat regular meals but i um i have like uh, more of a regimented plan for nutrition in race where my body's now accustomed to more gels and hydration fluids um and i honestly i pay more attention to that versus pre-race rituals um i think just uh you know um just the other thing i'll call out and i talked about this with my playlist is i i do like to listen to more uh down tempo jazz music you know if i have you know if i'm driving in the car or walking to the race to kind of just to get my mindset in a in a mellow state to be mentally prepared for the uh you know the long the long uh, uh durations that you're gonna be working out so I like that strategy and something I might need to test out because I'm sort of the complete opposite. I'll go with the high tempo music, classic rock, EDM, loud stuff. So thank you for, uh, for sharing that. How about on the flip side, after a race, what's your recovery routine look like? Yeah. Um, so it's funny you asked me about that because when we crossed paths at the LA Marathon, I had a successful race, definitely was happy with my time, but I, uh, I, I still, I, you know, I have, I've made a lot of, of progress, but I, I still have problems with nutrition and hydration. And I, I literally had to kind of, I, I luckily I, I had a gym I had access to by the race. And I, I laid out on a bench for about 30 minutes because my stomach was just in a weird state where I didn't have enough fluids in there. And I, I just couldn't even stand up. So honestly, <laughs> in, in a, if a real quick answer for you is just survival as far as a post-race routine is just to try to get my heart rate down, make sure I'm not cramping up, make sure, you know, making sure I'm getting some, some fluids in, but I'm a big believer after you kind of get over that, that hump, um, definitely celebrating. So I, you know, my go-to kind of post-race meal for a big thing like a marathon is burger, burger, and a beer afterwards for sure you know something something along those lines you got you gotta you gotta celebrate it and reward yourself for a big accomplishment like that completely agree the post marathon beer is one of my favorite beers out there i completely agree with you there (laughs) (laughs) uh i am curious uh phil who do you run or train with do you have any crews or anything are you training solo what sort of your uh your running and training schedule look like yeah you know i uh I never really joined a running club. I did, I did join some triathlon, triathlon clubs in the past. Um, there's a really cool club out here in the Valley called Fortius. And um, it's primarily focused on triathlon training, but there are some runners within the club as well. So I um, haven't been as active uh, because of the pandemic and a lot of other reasons lately, but that, that was, that's been a really cool club. Um, I mostly do my, my outdoor runs solo but you know one thing i would call out are um you know equinox 
um, made a big investment in treadmill based kind of training classes. They call them precision running is kind of the branding that Equinox has. And yeah. We uh, actually just had a uh, coach Corky, Liz Corkum, who's a precision run coach on the show last week. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, you know, if you talk to, to most runners, the, you, the way to optimally train is to vary up, you know, uh, the, the, the terming I've heard is called like fartlek type runs, which essentially are the, the runs where you're, you're, you're combining sprinting and jogging and, you know, varying your, your elevation with flat type runs. And you need to kind of vary that up with just straight, you know, long distance running at a slow pace type workout. So, um, you know, those are the groups that I, I'm sorely missing with the pandemic right now and <laughs> not being able to go and, and do treadmill based runs with, with groups. But, but yeah, that's kind of the extent of mostly when I train with, with, uh, with teams and groups. So. Awesome. Well, you answered my other question, which was going to be how the pandemic impacted your running. So, uh, thank you for <laughs> getting a step ahead there. Um, what runners do you admire? Any, anyone specifically, or just in general, you know, when you see a crowd, people you admire? Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was just thinking about this today. Um, so I ran the OC marathon, I think it was 2019. And I learned about this documentary called Skid Row Marathon. And um, it's about this guy. He's a judge named Craig Mitchell. And um, it, was, it, was, it was really cool. It was a documentary about him. And essentially what he started, I, I want to say four or five years ago, is um, for people that were in prison for you know, a variety of reasons, drugs, uh, uh, petty crime, um, as a means to help them kind of recover and get back on their feet. He started to, uh, to organize this group of people that, it's called kind of the Skid Row because I think some of these people were living on Skid Row, but he got them to essentially uh, train and participate in marathons. Um, and so this documentary kind of chronicled his work to, um, to work with these these uh, former felons and prisoners to get to to kind of motivate them to get them back on their feet. I think it kind of started with I think it started with a guy that um, he oversaw his case and he just kind of kept in contact with him. And then he this I, I forgot the name of the guy, but he was one of the first participants. And um, I haven't watched the whole documentary, but he he paid for a free trip for them to compete in a marathon in Africa. And so wow, that's amazing. Um, this guy, Craig Mitchell. Yeah, this is, it's super cool what he's, what he's doing with that. And, you know, one last story, um, you know, this, this guy, Craig Mitchell, he, uh, he has like spinal problems and he was actually told by doctors to not even run because it would be too risky for the injuries that he has. And he kind of just said, F it, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to live my life. And I think he's, I think he's in his late fifties or sixties. And so, you know, I, I, I was running the OC marathon and I'm a much younger guy. I, I, I like to consider myself somewhat fit. And, and he passed me at like mile 20 of the race. Wow. <laughs> so, and, you know, and he's got, you know, he's got these ailments and these injuries, but he was, he's just great at just keeping the same pace without, you know, uh, impacting his, his flow. And so that just another kind of anecdote as well there too. <laughs> yeah. That's an amazing story. And, um, for those out there, skidrowmarathon.com, you could check that out to learn a little bit more about that documentary. I might be watching that tonight myself. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us, Phil. I have one last question for you. You know, the show is called Why We Marathon, and I just want you to sum up in two to three sentences really the crux of why you run marathons. Yeah, I, for me, it's, uh, I, I'm a competitive person and I like a challenge, but at the same time, I like something that can keep me healthy, but more importantly, help with my mental focus with how I approach everyday life conversations with people. Um, um, it, the biggest thing for me is that it, it helps to create a mentality where, um, for me personally, I, I feel like whenever I approach a situation, there's always a way to find an answer versus um, being fearful of situations and not being able to pursue uh, multiple options. And so for me, the biggest thing is, is the mental benefits that I've obtained from it to help me to be, be more strong-minded with how I approach my life, lead my team, um, interact with my family, uh, be, you know, serve as a role model to some in my network. So that's the biggest impact it's had on me. Yeah. I absolutely love that, Phil. Um, clearly marathon run has also had a huge impact on your life. And I really appreciate you sharing your story with all of our fans. And, uh, thank you everyone for listening today to why we marathon. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at why we marathon, and we'll be launching our new website pretty soon. www.whywemarathon.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you.